What's going on? This is JLS from Nick Time Show. Here to give you that Nick's talk just in the nick of time. We are here to give you a little bit of a Nick's season overview. We are back after a little bit of hiatus to talk Nick's basketball. Joined by my guy, Lee Escobedo, and my man, Ryan G, in the building. So you know what? Uh, let's just get to it, man. Let's just get to it and start talking Nick's basketball, man. Um, yo, <laughs> a lot to be going on in Nick's space, man. Been going on in space. Um, well, actually, it's been a cool down area, but the chatter has not stopped. And I think I, I, I think I have to start with Julius Randle. Like, I feel there's no way of getting around because that's just been what's the talk has been lately. And whether you're on the side of trading him or not, um, I want to start with this. Overall, for me, when I look at the season of the Knicks and Julius Randle, or Julius Randle's giving this, giving us this year, I think it's been a successful season for this team and Randle. I feel like we've been in this space where we are in the playoffs because of him and because of Jalen Brunson and because of the team. I feel like we've all taken a step um, in that right direction as a team. We should be applauded for that. The coaching staff, the, the front office, and everybody should be applauded for that. Um, so whether you're on the side of moving players or trading players, I just want to acknowledge that this has been a successful season and we, we're here. We built the foundation and I want to build on that. Can we all agree on that, guys? All right. Second of all, I'm going to also start by saying this. If you are on the side of moving on from Randall. I do not blame you. I do not shame you. I have my, I have my um, hiccups about Julius Randle as myself. Now, if you're on the side of keeping him, I do not shame you. <laughs> I do not blame you. And I understand your side as well, because looking at what this season has presented us and how he's performed, you can take the good with the bad and go, this man has averaged 20, 10, and 5, and he's the reason why we've gone to the playoffs. And you can also look at the same guy and go, you know what? He could have gave us more in the playoffs, and and, and we need to build on from that. Um, with that being said, I feel like um, the mental part of Julius Reynolds' game has taken a step this season as far as how he's rebounded from last season's atrocious season. Um, I feel like for the most part, he's done well managing his emotions during the regular season. When it came to the playoffs, he had some mixed mix steps. He had some backslides. He didn't perform to 100% his effort. And I think he had, I think we have the right to criticize him for that. Um, can he have done better? Yes. Is there is the does he have is there blame to go around for why he hasn't done better, whether it be the coach or his ankle injury? Yes. But the, at the end of the day, um, I do feel like he got to the second round because of him and in our team. Um, 
And I feel like moving forward, how I see Julius Randle, I do feel like we, I do not feel like Julius Randle is a championship A or B that you can build around. But I also am not so sure that moving him this season or right now might be the best move. And I'll say this because usually in the NBA, you don't trade four quarters for a dollar. You don't trade a dollar for four quarters. And most of the moves I've seen for trades, I've seen for Julius Randle doing just that. You know, we're trading Randle for four shooters. We're trading Randle for four role players. But when I look at that framework for a trade, like we're giving up rebounding or we're giving up playmaking for three and D. But what happens when, to me, when I look at the playoffs and I'm looking at what happened during these playoffs, the Knicks struggled to playmake when Brunson was off the floor. Uh, the Knicks struggled to to the Knicks struggled to do anything else without Brunson, and I feel like if we don't have playmaking and rebound and the thing that makes that guy create double teams during the regular season, are we are are we in the playoffs position we are right now? And are we are we setting ourselves up to take a step back? this season if we rush moving Randall for not as good of talent this season. Uh, I don't know what you guys have to think about, have to say about that. Lee, what do you think? Volume is too low. Sounds Mr. Timmy said sounds good. All right, so... Pick says sounds good. Other guy says sounds too low. Okay, wait. So maybe it's just up in the volume a little bit for you guys. All right. Jay Boogie says you yeah, can good now. Said we're good now. Bro, Jay Boogie says it's good, man. All right. Cool. All right. What's going on? This is Jay Ellis from Nick Time Show. Here we be that Nick's talk just in the nick of time. And we're here to talk Nick's basketball. Um, It's been a while since we've been back. Um, But we are back. Um, after a little bit of rest, um, and you already know what it is. I'm with my guys, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy with the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. The first time when y'all couldn't hear me, I was kind of late, but you, y'all gave me the chance to redeem myself because exactly. you couldn't hear me. So thank you. <laughs> and of course, you already know my man, SNY contributor, posting, toasting contributor, Latin assassin, Lee Escobedo. What's going on, Lee? Yo, yo, once again, been some personal stuff in my life. It's kind of like kept me from thinking about the Knicks. But uh, that SNY interview with Dexter Henry shocked me into thinking about Julius Randle. So now I can't stop thinking about Julius Randle. I'm ready to have a conversation about Julius Randle. <laughs> All right. And we're going to just start right off with Julius Randle because I, I feel like we almost can't get around not talking about him because that's just been the topic of conversation going around Knicks Nation. So let's start it, man. Let's just go, let's just go right into it, Lee. Um, after this season has ended, you know, we there's been highs and lows with Julius Randle, had a good season. The playoffs, not so much. Um, some blame it on the ankle injury. Some say, you know what, not so fast, even though he didn't have even though he did have a bum ankle, he should have came correct. What are your thoughts on Julius Randle's performance um for the year and the playoffs and everything encompassing? Me first? 
Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let's go. Regular season, how can you argue with it? The stats were phenomenal. All-star, birth for second time. All-NBA, third team for the second time. Uh, I was really impressed by the way that he managed his emotions for the most part and was a very good teammate uh, on the court and off the court, too, cultivating relationships with some of his teammates, some of the younger guys, Deuce and Sims, uh, you know, always maintained the chemistry with Jalen Brunson. I think he he conceded some of the leadership vocally and on the court and obviously usage and ball handling to Jalen Brunson as well, which I think really catapulted the success for us to reach 47 wins and damn near hit a 50-burger on the grill. Uh, in the playoffs, we all we all watched. We saw every game. Uh, obviously, the ankle was injury. Uh, the ankle injury was slowing him down. Uh, I think that's a reality. I don't think it's an excuse because for me that it wasn't about the lower uh, shooting numbers or assist numbers or rebounding numbers or three point numbers, which were all down. Uh, I was impressed with the fact that his field goal percentage from two and overall from the field um, was actually higher than the regular season. It was the effort. It was their effort on defense. It was the effort on like diving for loose balls. It was the lack of communication, the lack of leadership, the lack of taking advantage of of weak uh, defensive assignments on switches, um, and really like not really getting his teammates involved or being even the right kind of decoy that the team needed uh, for us to thrive in that Miami series. And really wasn't really a non-factor in the Cav- Cavalier series as well. I thought he got outplayed effort-wise and performance-wise by, by Isaiah Hartenstein and Mitch in that Cleveland Cavalier series. And really, everyone was pretty awful against Miami, but Brunson and RJ, um, minus game six for RJ. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag. Uh, I agree with what JL has said in the last stream that we try to do where you don't trade a dollar for four quarters. Um, I, I do think that Randall should be traded because this summer is a very important one. I think they're Obi off the bench and Randall is a starter and Tibbs trying to balance those two with 12 to 14 minutes for Obi has become untenable. And one of the most good this summer, in my opinion, and I think it's probably going to be Obi, unfortunately, looking at how the front office has operated since Leon Rose took over. I don't think he's going to sell low on Randall. I think he's going to try to sell high on Obi and get what he can for a young guy before he signs his extension. Um, and yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, am I happy with that? No, I, I'm not going to slander Randall as a human being or as a basketball player on this platform or any of my platforms. Um, but I do think that it's time for us to build around Brunson and add space into the front court. And if you're going to add space into the front court in a starting lineup, that means either Randall or Mitchell Robinson has to be moved. It's funny you say that. Like, for guys who missed the first part, uh, I started off this whole, I started off the whole conversation by saying a lot of trades I've seen for Randall, um, I've had a hard time, di- hard time digesting because to me, it's you, you in the NBA, you usually do not trade dollar for four quarters usually the person with the dollar wins you know what i mean so it's like the guy who has the all-star player the guy with the most talent usually if you if you're trading him for god for role players or for kind of good plays like usually at the end of the day you're going to want the guy with the with more talent so for people who want to move on from him i get or i get it for the people who want to keep randall i get it the guy is extremely talented um Arguably, if, you, if you're looking at the Pulisic power forwards this season, he's what, like top, what, maybe six, seven, as far as power forward performances this season. So when you're talking about, okay, you're, this guy is the top six or seven power forward this season, when it comes time to trade a guy like that, you're like, well, how, where, when it comes, comes to talent, how far up can you go from that? And 
even though the, the fit isn't right. I don't know. To me, I don't, I'm not sure if the timing is right right now. I'm not sure if the timing is right. Now, I'm not saying you don't keep the tires. I'm not saying you don't try to improve your team if you can. But I also feel like we're in a position where we're, we're going to win a certain amount of games. And I think we can be calculated on how we move and when we move. Um, and not just go for a move because of what just happened. I, I think that's what my mind is. Um, Ryan G, let me know what your thoughts on Julius Randle in the season and the playoffs and everything encompassing with that. Yeah, um, I wanted to go last because I needed time to gather my thoughts because there's a lot going on in my mind in regards to next season. Julius Randle, et cetera. I think the most obvious thing is, you know, his regular season performance was great. You know, almost averaging 25 points a game, 10 rebounds, four assists, all-star, all-team, I mean, all-NBA third team, you know, from a regular season perspective, it was excellent. Playoffs, like Lee said, he didn't come to perform. Now, we know that he had an ankle injury. I don't know how much the ankle was bothering him throughout the series against Cleveland and the series against Miami. And I'm not going to be the type of person because I see a lot of people on Twitter saying that just because he had an ankle injury, that you know, there's no excuse for his performances and things of that nature. But the thing is, if you've ever played on a sprained ankle or have an ankle injury, especially when you sprain it bad, it's hard to really have that pain tolerance to play well. I don't know Julius Randle's pain tolerance, so I'm not going to go here. I'm not going to go there and criticize the man for not performing well on a badly injured angle. But the body language in the playoffs was bad. You, you cannot deny that. Effort at times was bad. You cannot deny that as well. And for a player that's giving you 25 10 and five in the regular season, you would expect more from that player in the playoffs. And I think a lot of his issues in the playoffs stem from the fact that whenever he got the ball on offense, because we all talk about spacing, right? And I think the other day I read this article about spacing in the NBA. And when NBA people refer to spacing, spacing all the time does not mean you know, you have a bunch of three-point shooters on the floor because there's other ways to generate space. And I think well, and I think one of Randall's issues is, and if he corrects this, I think it would be way better for him in the playoffs and in the regular season as well, whether he stays with the Knicks or whether he's elsewhere, he needs to act quick with the ball in his hands because I think a lot of his issues stem from the fact that when he gets the ball, he holds it. Yeah. And he tries to read the defense and sees what the defense is trying to do. And then based on that, he makes his move. And it's like when you when you do that and you hold the ball, you allow the defense to get set. And when the defense is set, that makes it harder for you to actually make a positive play on offense, especially in the playoffs when people are taking away your strengths and they're forcing you to your weaknesses. So I think if Julius Randle would just learn that, okay, you know what? When I get the ball, 
if I would act quickly, not only does that force the defense to react to you, but at the same time, it helps with the spacing as well. Because if you get the ball, you drive immediately, you're drawing the defense to you. And then if you're able to make the right passes, it usually ends up in an open shot. So it's I so I think that's my evaluation with Julius Randle. Now, if you're asking me whether to trade him or whether to for him to stay, this is where I'm like, I'm not opposed to trading him. You know, like if you can trade him and get actual equal value for him, I would not be against it. But at the same time, and I, I might be going into a whole different other subject right now, but I think people forget that because, okay, all the NBA aficionados, players, analysts, people who know the NBA in and out, all these people talk about players needing experience in the playoffs and that ex how experience plays a major factor in the playoffs. And I think us as Knicks fans, we were overhyped mm -hmm. because we – looked at our team and we're like, you know what, this team is strong enough. You know, we can get to the, we can get to the NBA finals because, you know, we're facing the number eight seed in the heat and things of that nature. But I think what people forget, forget is that if you look at the Knicks nightmare rotation, a lot of those players don't have the experience. Yeah. Outside of Jalen Brunson, who's been to a Western conference finals. If you look at the other eight players on the Knicks rotation, none of them got out of the first round of the playoffs. If you look at it, because I can go down the line. Mitchell Robinson, first time in the playoffs. Julius Randle, he's only had one year experience in the playoffs, and it's one series he played, and that was against the Hawks. R.J. Barrett, same thing. Quentin Grimes, first time in the playoffs. Um, um, Obi Toppin, that one series against the Hawks. That's it. Hardenstein, the only playoffs experience this guy had was when he was with the Rockets, and he only played two games in garbage time. Yeah. So it's like if you go down the line, a lot of these Knicks players don't have the experience. So they're, so they're trying to, you know, they're trying to, you know, learn as they go in the playoffs. I think a lot of people forget about that. And they just criticize these players and just down on these players repeatedly over and over again after the season is over. And I don't think that criticize, like you can criticize a player for having bad games, but you cannot, but I don't think they deserve the, the like nonstop criticism that I see from some Knicks fans because I think they forget that one little thing when it comes to these players. These are these are basically inexperienced players in the playoffs. These are not players who's been to the playoffs three, four times in their career. They And you, I think you, with these players, you have to be a bit more patient with them. You have to allow them to grow in the playoffs. The only way you're going to get better in the playoffs is if you have more and more experience. And a lot of these guys on this team, they don't have the experience. I know I went on a whole tangent that's been on my chest for a long time, but yeah, with Julius Randle, when it comes to trading him, I'm not opposed to it. If you can find a good deal for him, make that trade, but I'm not opposed to him staying as well. Cause like I said, he's a guy that he, that he's a guy that can take you to the playoffs. He just needs to make some adjustments to his game when, when, when playoff times come. And I think that he, if he makes those adjustments such as moving quicker, as opposed to scanning the defense, I think it would bode. I think it would bode well for him going into um, you know future playoff runs. I think the question is whether he can or can't. Um, Julius Randle himself knows that he needs to make quicker decisions. He needs to move the ball better. Uh, he needs to read the defense faster. Like they've been telling him that for the last few years. He 
at spots this season during the regular season where he's processed the defense rather quickly and made quick passes, quick decisions. Um, I think he's done that in – I think he he's done that in, like, the first game back from Miami when Julius Randle came back. I felt like we won a game because he was diving up everybody in the third quarter from his first game back in Miami. Like, that was the Julius Randle I saw in the regular season where he was diving people up and his passing was immaculate. I also seen – some of that in during the Cavs season in like a quarter. I think, I think the problem is you don't see it every game. You don't see it consistently, but it's there. Um, so, I mean, so, and which is why he's not really a second option and sometimes not even a third option sometimes because that, that switch goes on and off. That goes on and off, that playmaking that we need because we desperately need it when Brunson doesn't have the ball in his hands because we need to have allow Brunson to – kind of rest, which is why a lot of the trades that I see for Randall, I'm I see the benefits of it because of the spacing. But then when it comes to the playmaking, I'm like, so we're just gonna have the ball in Brunson's hands the whole time because none of the guys that we can that we're bringing in can play make at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um but but it, it, it's it's just I feel like we're I feel like we're still in a space where I see the problems. I see the effort is up and down. I see we need the spacing. But the biggest problem is, issues are our guys who we rely on, our main cogs and RJ and Randall, um, and shoot. Anybody outside of Brunson can't shoot a three. <laughs> Everybody outside of Brunson can't shoot a three. And yeah. <clears throat> also moving those guys, I almost feel like even though I liked how RJ performed better, more than Julius Randle, I almost feel like it's going to end up being RJ being moved just because of like the contract timing, the age. And like and the and the amount of players available that are better than him at that position, you know, like you know what I mean. Like, there's not that many power forwards better than Julius Randle, but there's a slew of wings better than RJ. So I almost feel like it's going to be RJ based off of of um, what Ian Begley has said. Like he's been RJ's been in the, in a bunch of rooms before. Um, and 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 just who's available, just who's available. Like I feel like it's it's going to even RJ. Even though when I look at RJ's performance, I was much more comfortable with RJ in the playoffs than Julius Randle. I don't know. I think if it's not a terrible idea to retain Randle, and at the front office, I think if looking at the front office, I think they're committed to him even though Scott Perry is no longer around, who was one of the original people who reached out and signed him to that initial deal. If we're going to retain Randall, we must change the roster around him because this roster that's currently around him doesn't do him any favors. It doesn't play to his strengths and it only intensifies his weaknesses. So I think adding a center or improving the center position with someone who I agree doesn't necessarily have to shoot threes, but maybe has a playmaking ability like Bam, 
someone who can be spaced out because when you pass to them in in the mid-range area, they're able to playmate and either serve as a role man or set a pick or find shooters on the perimeter the same way that Bam does or hit a 15-foot mid-range shot, all things that Mitchell Robinson can't do. I think if you improve that position with someone like that, then you're able to build around Randall in a way that's conducive to his strengths and weaknesses. Brunson's already you know, the first cog in that machine. And I think the attention should be built around his strengths and weaknesses. But if we're going to retain Randall, we got to add shooting, not just at the five, but at the two or three as well. I think Grimes is a really solid piece. But if you keep Randall, I don't see how you can also keep RJ and expect your two forwards to be able to coexist when both of them are very streaky, undependable shooters. Yeah, it's like, it's no matter how you look at it, both of our main cogs not being good three-point shooters is is going to hinder us. Like, one of those guys is going to yep. have to shoot threes. Um, I'm rolling the dice on Grimes that he's, like, even though, the, the, you know, even though he didn't shoot well in the playoffs, this is his first year in the playoffs, this is his first year in starter minutes, I'm still rolling dice on Grimes, and I think he's going to be able to, like, actually be, like, really good 3.3 and D guy. So I don't foresee him. I don't think my mind, I don't think it's necessary to move him, even though I can see why some Knicks fans are saying move him. But in reality, if I if I if I project that Grimes is gonna be able to hit threes, one of Randall or RJ has to be able to do that as well at a high volume. Like I, we can't have both of those guys going under 40%, under 35% from three. Like it's not sustainable for us to get to the next level. But also, but on top of that, like we still need playmaking because we saw what happened when Jalen Brunson went to the bench. We, we fell apart. <laughs> we fell apart. Um I saw somebody ask about Porzingis. Somebody asked about Raw. Do you do you guys agree with Raw's assessment of Porzingis coming to the Knicks? Good question. Um me personally Porzingis is pretty good on paper for what the Knicks need as far as a guy who can spread the floor, block shots. Um, um, maybe not the playmaker that I want him to be, but I already know availability is what kind of progresses your name, your game. And I, I personally feel like Porzingis would be farther along in his game, and he's pretty far. But even farther along in his game if he was actually healthy for you know multiple seasons in a row. But I just don't trust it, man. I can't. I do not trust Porzingis to be healthy for a season. Like he was healthy last season. This is the healthiest he's been since what season one. I don't think he's had any seasons where. How many seasons has he played over 60, 60 games? I think two. A handful. Yeah. Two. So if you're asking, do I love the idea of having a seven foot guy who can shoot threes and block shots on occasion, um, helping spread the floor, can pot and you know play center? I'm um, sometimes to give Jalen Brunson spacing. Hell yeah, I love that idea. I love that prototype. But am I giving up? Um assets for guys who I know you know are going to be available to play for most of the season for a guy who hasn't played two consecutive seasons of 60 games or more no 
when it comes to the if you, I'm not sure if you finished. I was on hop in. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'll finish. Yes, go ahead. When it comes to Chris S. Porzingis, if you're a Knicks fan, knowing what you know and experiencing what you've experienced with him when he was drafted and dealing with the first Phil Jackson, then Steve Mills, um, and Chris S. Porzingis at the top of your list, I would advise anyone that feels that way to watch more ball and to expand your purview to more players in the NBA. Because like hundreds and hundreds of players in the NBA you'd consider to be on the Knicks. We don't have to rehash reuse and recycle past names that have worn the jersey and and left in um in, in pretty uh unceremonious fashion in terms of that trade uh, i'm not into it and my main reason is not because chris asporginis is an injured player or hasn't matured or wouldn't welcome a return in new york it's adding him doesn't solve any of the positional um problems that we have right now if you swap him for randall obi's still on the bench what do you do about Obi? Tibbs is still only playing him 10 to 14 minutes game. If you trade him for Mitchell Robinson, Obi's still on the bench. And then Randall's your four. Is Randall and Porzingis, is that a good duo? But Or, or if you trade Randall and you want to start Porzingis at the five, do you really expect Mitchell Robinson to accept a bench role, to come off the bench after starting for three seasons and end of this year in the playoffs and being our dominant center worthy of an extension? Do we really expect him, a young, immature player like Mitch, to accept the bench role behind Chris Pass Porzingis, uh, who has already had a 10-year instant in New York? I don't think so. It would have to be some combination where you that players are going out or allowing Porzingis to start at one, either the four or the five, and you eliminate that law jam that exists between KP, I mean between Randall, Obi, and Mitch right now as three guys all yearning to be starters. I love Obi, but he's not. I'm not considering Porzingis blocking Obi as like a a thing for me, like a reason why. I think Obi. I still feel like Obi can can average around 20 points a game if giving starters minutes. It's just um, really being able to play defense at a level to keep him on the floor for those minutes and still be like you know a net positive is is still my question, which is why. Um, me Porzingis, bringing Porzingis here for me, um, and even though it's blocking Obi's Obi minutes, that doesn't really deter me. To me, it's just more about a health thing. It's, it's definitely more about a health thing for me. And also, you know, even the Mitch thing, I don't. If Randall isn't here, I mean, Mitch is under contract for he can't really go anywhere, so he might be salty about it. But if KP is starting five and Mitch is behind back behind them and then and there's no Randall. You can still like in certain certain lineups do twin towers and put KP at the four, Mitch at the five, you know, and do certain things that way to to give him even more minutes. So that doesn't concern me that much as well. I I I, 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 I like the option. I like the I like having a stretch five in my mind, of course, but those things don't determine to me it's, it's strictly it's strictly just health reasons for me. Yeah, you think do you trust Tibbs to manage that? Do I trust Tibbs to manage? Um, I think so. I think so because I only, and I understand why he hesitant because of how he managed Randall. But Randall isn't isn't the shot blocker. Tibbs likes shot blockers, so I don't he I, and he I don't think he'll have any problem playing KP and Mitch together because both of those guys. Are like rim protectors, and I feel like it'll be like his wet dream 
be honest with you. <laughs> like, I feel like he might implode. He's like, wow, rim protection everywhere. Like, <laughs> so I think, I think, he, I think there'll be times where he'll go between a Twin Towers look and, uh, and, um, and just, uh, versus the five look, if that was available to us personally. Yes, yeah, so I just looked up Porzingis's stats basically throughout his eight seasons in the NBA. Out of his eight seasons, only three seasons he's played over sixty-five games, and two and two of those seasons he was basically at sixty-five mm-hmm. for the season. So health is definitely a concern. KP and about the whole Twin Towers idea. In today's NBA, I have not seen proof that Twin Towers actually works. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially when, you know, you have two bigs that are not necessarily great perimeter defenders. Right. Since most teams have a four or five that can at least stretch the floor a bit. Mm-hmm. So I really don't see that working as well. And I do see what Lee's talking about with the logjam because if you trade KP, because if you trade for KP and say, for example, Mitch goes, you know, more than likely... Julius Randle's still going to be here. Is Obi going to get those minutes? If your plan is to give Obi that starting position to begin with, right? So I can't really see KP coming, and I can't really see a scenario where it's like, okay, you know, a whole lot is going to change. Like, yeah, there's going to be spacing on the floor with KP there. So that's going to definitely help the Knicks on the offensive side of the ball. You do lose your offensive rebounding because with, you know, with Mitch not being in the starting lineup, it's you know, KP's not a not that caliber offensive rebound that Mitch is. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna lose the you so you're gonna lose the second chance opportunities as well. And I don't know, I, I don't know, me personally, I don't really see KP as like that game changing move where it's gonna be like, you know what? You know, if we get this guy, all of a sudden Knicks are gonna turn it up a notch, you know. Like I kind of see it as a move where it's like Lateral. you know, Nick, the Knicks might win like maybe a couple more games, whatever the case may be, but I don't see it making a significant dif- a significant difference to where it's like, damn, you know, that's a game changer. So I mean, me personally, I wouldn't make that trade for KP. I agree. Yeah, which, which is, is why, like, I don't know, man. It, it just like I said, all the moves I all everything I've seen, okay, cat is another, right? Cat is you know, great three point shooter actually. Probably could score a little bit better on, on different levels. When it comes to the playoffs, though, he's not the guy who really steps up in the playoffs. And like we, we know, he's known as the guy who you know when Jimmy Butler first took four undrafted players and beat an A squad. It was versus Cat. That was the first time he did it. Right? <laughs> you talk about the Heat now. The first trial run was versus the Timberwolves. And then right after Jimmy Butler did that, he went straight to uh, to an interview and bragged about it. So, like, I I have toughness and toughness questions about Cat, and you you combine that with the amount of money he costs and the lack of defense he gives you. On top of that, I, I feel like this is going to end up pulling his hair out. Complaining about Randall's lack of effort, y'all gonna chew Cat apart. Agreed. Like, woof, like cat's effort is not is no sheesh. <laughs> Come on. Cat's effort does not he cat does not play defense. He does not. So I mean you got the three though. The D is missing. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I think the thing with Cat too that people are forgetting as well is, you know, people complain about Julius Randle, his performances in the playoffs, but Cat has that same issue. You know, Cat is another guy where the playoff performances don't jump off the page as well. So it's like, okay, okay, you want to bring Cat in for Julius Randle, whatever the case may be, but it's like, you're going to still get a guy where when it comes to playoff time, he's not going to give you what he gives you in the regular season. So, you know, Knicks fans are just, are just going to complain all over again because they're going to be like, yeah, hey, we got a, we got a, you know, we got a big who can stretch the floor and blah, blah, blah. Then when the playoffs come, Knicks fans go still be like, what the hell? Because they're going to be like, yo, this dude has not performed the way he performed in the regular season. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Knicks fans really think about this <laughs> to, to a degree and, and, and really study these players and how they play, especially when it comes to crunch time, which it seems like a lot of Knicks fans are just complaining about the team when it comes to the playoffs. Like, do you really want to go for another guy where you're just going to complain again when it comes to playoff time? Yeah. Like, like I said, man, I see why people are concerned about Randall, but this is not an easy problem to solve because, a lot, like I said, a lot of the, the, the solutions I see is you trade a guy who can potentially be an assist guy, rebound guy, um, and, and who gives you multiple dimensions of the game to a, to a, for another guy who does that at a lesser level and then puts more pressure on Jalen Brunson to make other things. Now, on the flip side of that, Julius Randle doesn't exactly play the best second or third option. He doesn't necessarily read the defense at a high level, but it's also a thing where when Jalen Brunson's off the floor, there's still more of a stopgate to have somebody who can help, you know, semi-run the team when Randall is here. So it's like, it's, it's a catch 22 for me, man. It, it's a weird, which is why I keep landing on, hey, if Joel Embiid wants to come to the Knicks, that's where I'm going. I keep going back to that. Yep. I have no problem putting Randall in the trade for Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid, Jalen Brunson, uh, starting point, I think is championship caliber for me. <laughs> and, the, the chat said you guys aren't down for a stretch five on the Knicks. Uh, Pablo M, we are, just not the two that we've mentioned, just to clarify. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's interesting because with stretch five comes price. That's the other part of this equation, right? We have to be able to pay for these guys and ideally be like, oh, let's just plug in a stretch five next to Randall. And RJ and Barrett or something, or or even even if you want to take one of those guys out, like the money doesn't always doesn't doesn't really necessarily work out when you, if you're just plugging in a stretch five and putting him with other people. So I don't know, it's it's, it's interesting, but I'm with the stretch five for sure. I have a trade that uh, a trade target I've thought about and a trade that I've thought about that I think would piss off a lot of Knit fans. I was talking about it with Dexter after the show. Uh, that's been on my mind, but I mean, think about Joyce Randall. If this is a if Leon Rose pivots and wants to build around him, you package Mitch and Obi Toppin, and you send both of them to Indiana for Buddy Heald and or Chris Duarte and Miles Turner. Miles Turner and Joyce Randall have worked out together in Dallas every summer for the last three or four summers. They're very familiar with each other's games. They're very good friends. Um, they worked out all, all during the off season. Uh, and I think adding someone with that kind of chemistry. 
who also shoots 36-37% from three, is the best shot blocking big in the league, is athletic and scoring a block, scoring a mid-range, give you 18 and 20 a game. That's type of five that I would be interested in, in getting. I think that's a good pairing with Randall as well as solidifying your bench with some shooting with Buddy Heald. Just a throw that out there. Oh, what's it? OB, Turner, OB, Mitch. Duarte? Yeah. Either Duarte or Buddy and Turner. I don't think they would give up both, but one, one of the two could give a shooting. Um, and then Miles Turner is a linchpin. It might involve a pick on our end going to them or a pick on their end going to us, depending on how they value Mitch and Obi. But I, I think that's a deal that Leon could be able to work with and negotiate in good faith. Mm. I've always liked the idea of Miles Turner here. Miles Turner is another one, man. Miles Turner is another one where I really wanted him to be here like a few years ago. And he's another one where he teases these instances where he goes off from three. But he also he also has this little he, he also has an injury thing, man. I don't know. How did, what was he doing last year? Like, I, like that prototype would work. If it's Mitch return, man, I love Mitch, man. He had career highs last year, Miles Turner across the board. He had his best season of his career. Shot Mitch. 37 from three. 18 and seven and a half rebounds. We'll be Mitch and Ovi for Turner. And healed or Duarte. We can't get healed and Turner at the same time. I feel like that's a lot of money. I feel, I feel like healed makes. I haven't checked healed's contract. If you include, I think healed has a possible contract. Hmm? I believe it's expiring. You can include Fournier for expire, expiring deal as well to make the money match. Like, I like the idea of Heald and Turner. The money makes sense. Yeah. I think it's a trade that NBA Twitter would be furious over because it's not a big, like, splashy name. And it's like, oh, here we are again working around the margins. Why are we getting rid of Mitch and all that? I, and I don't know if it would have a massive impact next year in getting us to the East Conference Finals, but I think it's a two- to three-year out. I think it would have really solid implications on the type of team that we are offensively and defensively improving our spacing. He's only 27 years old. I like the, I, I'm, I'm not mad at it, to be honest with you. I guess my, my other question would be, okay, Heal is an expiring. Our, if we're training our young guys, that means we're trying to resign both of those guys. That's what I would think. Uh, I, mean, I mean, for me, my only concern with Miles Turner's health, really. Yeah. That's, that's really my only concern. And, of course, you know, I'm thinking about the Knicks and the identity on defense as well. You know, Miles Turner, you know, he blocked shots. So, I mean, you know, definitely a guy that, you know, we could utilize, especially being a stretch five. Healed, I mean, yeah, he can shoot the rock, clearly. Um, I don't know how he fits in with the Knicks defensively, though. That's going to be an issue there. Uh, and Duarte, I mean, again, he's a young guy. You know, he's going to play defense. He's going to shoot the three as well. It, it's a trade I would be on the fence on. I would say... I don't know how you can say Turner is an elite rim protection when he's like, the best shot-blocking big 
uh, in the NBA. He's excellent one-on-one and coming from the weak side as well. He's had great timing. I would say one on one defender, but he's a great rim protection. You, you know, know what? what? I, I would say, say Paul's on heels. I would say Paul's on heels, but I would consider Turner. Because and Duarte? Possibly Duarte. I would take on Duarte's. I would take on Duarte. I would take on that. But I, I think I would say Paul's on heels and possibly Turner. For what Ryan said, the defense, like, I have, I have to keep in mind that this is a Thibodeau team. And you're gonna have to play defense to get on the floor, even with your threes. Uh, otherwise, you just end up being Evan Fournier. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, and and the thing too is that Indiana was such a terrible defensive team as well. So that's what I was looking. That was the guy we got caught on the wall. So I'm like, sure. <laughs> but you know, uh, right. I, I might do that. that. I'm I'm hesitant to do it, but I might do it. I might do it. I have to sleep on it. <laughs> yeah. It's just something I thought about. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind Miles Turner. I mean, I'd definitely I'd definitely give Miles Turner a shot. Definitely. What do you guys think about RJ Barrett's performance in the playoffs? Loved it. In the season. Loved it. Loved the playoffs. Way better than did the regular season. His he, he found what he's elite at, which is getting to the rim. His spacing and positioning, using his body to create space, all that tightened up in the playoffs. And I was really impressed that he did it against two teams that are have great interior defense. Cleveland Cavaliers might have the best interior defense, and he carved them up. And Miami Heat are a great defensive team. As a unit and individually, he carved them up. I thought it was one of the most dependable plays that we had is getting RJ downhill. Um, and getting him to the rack. He was able to – he's also very good at drawing fouls, and he actually hit his free throws in the playoffs as well. I, I was really impressed by his all-around game. Defensive effort, passing IQ, decision-making, It's you know it still needs work at 22, but I thought getting downhill was – after Brunson's uh, ISO play was the second-best offensive strategy we had. Yeah, I agree with you. And this is one of those reasons I, – I remember, remember, I remember going through the season – fellas and being extremely frustrated with RJ Barrett's input or output rather and us mentioning that we were an elite wing away from contending I remember that and we got our butt kicked in Miami but one of the reasons why I was more confident in thinking, you know what, I think we can take this, was because of R.J. Barrett. Like, he started to step up. Um, what I didn't anticipate was Julius Randle taking a step back after he took a step up. <laughs> um, but from, I remember during that part of the season when R.J. Barrett wasn't performing, we mentioned Zach Levine here and got off Blackboard. Like, like, people were pissed. People were pissed. I don't know if you want to go back and check the episode. People were pissed when we was considering um, possibly trading Zach Levine. Tried trading for Zach Levine. Um, and 
I kind of said before, I've, I've liked Zach Levine for years because I always felt like he was a young guy, a young sniper, and he can get buckets. But seeing what you see from Zach and seeing what you see from RJ, and that's story's progressed. Like, where where do you stand on Zach Levine joining now if RJ Barrett's involved? It's so funny to hear that there was a, such a rabid backlash to us saying Zach Levine when Leon Rose himself went after Zach Levine at the deadline. I I rarely hear about that being talked about when that was that went down to the wire on the trade deadline where Leon Rose was trying to get Zach Levine and it ended up being Quentin Grimes inclusion and that was a breaking point but, uh, with us trading RJ. I think it's a pattern about RJ quickly OB and a bunch of picks and swaps for Zach Levine that almost happened yeah. this year at the trade deadline. So Leon lights Levine. I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine that he would go after him again this summer with a revamp package now that a lot of its assets have increased in quality um, and, and importance. I think I'd rather have RJ. RJ's half the price. None, none of the issues with personality and, you know, not getting along with head coaches um, and underperforming the playoffs. Zach Levine has yet to drag a team to the playoffs as the best player. You know, it, DeMar DeRozan has been the best player on that team in the last two seasons, even an MVP candidate. Uh, not this season, but last season as well. So I'm not super high on. I love his shooting ability and athleticism, but I'm not super super high on his commitment to defense and his commitment to be a team player. And can he work as a second option, allowing Brunson to be on ball and he has to be off ball? I don't know if he would thrive in that role as well. Not for fifty million. Um, yo, it's funny, man. I always go back and forth with this because we need three point shooting. And that guy can shoot like straight up. Yep. Straight up. Um when the playoffs came this season, I think he had like one game where he played well and brought the brought the Bulls out from the Dodgers this game this season. Um but for me, I still go back and forth with it, man. I still go back and forth with it because of the shooting. Because of the shooting, I I desperately need it. And I know he can do that. And I know, I I, I feel like a grind. We wouldn't win a chip. That's the thing. We wouldn't win a chip. We would just be better. We would just be better. The, the swing skill for me in a, has always been R.J. Barrett's passing because I always felt like there is a world where R.J. Barrett can figure it out if he stops getting tunnel vision and get the passing together. Like, he's had some great passing games in the playoffs. Um, But... Like, like I still know to maximize, to maximize Brunson, we're still gonna need shooting, and that's why I go back and forth. Yeah, um, you know, as you guys said, you know, regular season RJ, you know, inconsistent. Um, definitely was some flaws in his game in the regular season. Playoffs, he played much better. Um, drove to the basket consistently finished at the rim and even made some good passes on drives and, you know, and he was pretty much, you could, you could pretty much say he was the Knicks probably second best performer behind Jalen Brunson in the playoffs. Yep. So, yep. you know, J, you know, the fact that RJ Barrett is showing promise, you know, especially when it comes to playoff time is a positive and you're hoping that he can carry that, I guess that, you know, good vibes over into the regular season going into next season, you know, and just play a more consistent regular season and a good playoff series as well. Um, when it, now, when it comes to trading for Zach Levine, 
I mean, to, to be honest about it, I probably would go for it, to be honest. Um, just for the simple fact that, because I think the thing with Zach Levine is that Bulls team was good when they had a legit point guard. Lonzo Ball. I don't know Lonzo Ball and Jalen Brunson, they're not the same point. They're not the same kind of point guard. They're very different point guards. But when they had a point guard and there was somebody that was actually actually there to facilitate the ball, that Bulls team played way better. It's when Lonzo Ball went down with that injury, the Bulls just couldn't find it after that. So Brian in my mind, man. You read I'm about to say that. So <laughs> from that standpoint, I'm like, you know what? Maybe if you do pair Zach Levine with a legit point guard, even though Jalen Brunson and Lonzo Ball are not the same types of point guards. Maybe that could benefit Levine in a way where his performances would matter more in leading the Knicks towards the playoffs and going further than that. And I think the fact that he's a good shooter of the ball, defense, yeah, he's iffy. You know, sometimes he'll sometimes he'll perform on defense. Other times, you know, it's like he's a matador on defense. But I think the fact that he can score, he can shoot the three. And he can. I do think in the right. I do think in the right environment, Zach Levine can be a game changer in in the right in the right environment. I mean, that's how I view him. So I would take the risk on him. If honestly, if it was me, this is this is one of those seasons where you know after a, a loss like this to Miami, this is one of those times where where the pain hurts so much. If you're a player who's already driven. Like an RJ Barrett, like an Emmanuel quickly, like like a Jalen Brunson. A loss like this, when you're in the second round, is the type of loss that propels you to be better. Some like a lot of we talked about, you know, the Heat and how they went through their growing pains. They went through the bubble. They took the Celtics to seven last year, and now they're in the NBA Finals. Sometimes those losses propel you to be better. So like I can see, I can see both scenarios, man. I can see a scenario where Zach Levine. Comes to the Knicks, he opens up a little things for Jalen Brunson and becomes a, like a legit second option, um, and can shoot the shoot the lights out for us, provide more spacing. Where now you know we get into the playoffs, and you can't just load up on Jalen Brunson like they were before. You know what I mean? Like you you can have Grimes and Zach both lining it up next season. You know what I mean? I can see that. I can also see a scenario where R.J. Barrett. And so pissed, gets back into the lab, triples down on getting to the hoop, um, sees how he was getting success passing the rock, um, and finds like a little bit niche shooting and 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 working in that inner that that low mid-range area and punish guys and use his size correct. I can see I can see RJ Barrett taking a step this year because of what he went through through the playoffs. Like, I, I can, can see both scenarios. Zach Levine, Zach Levine to play in. The Bulls played two games in a play-in tournament. The first game, he was electric. Dropped 39 points on the Raptors. But his three-point shot that we've all been talking about, he only shot two of seven from three. The second game against the Heat, mm -hmm. he shot six of 26 overall. over six from three mm. for only 15 points against Miami. So he only hit two threes out of 15 attempts. And during the two games in the play-in tournament, when it mattered the most, 
and really disappeared in that second playing tournament game against the Miami Heat, where he only dropped 15. Uh, and DeMar DeRozan had to carry the load. So his playoff history for a guy of his age and his experience uh, with two different teams leaves much to be desired. I'm not against trading for him. It's that price tag and injury history that really worried me about giving up too many assets for him. But the right deal, and I would trust Leon Rose in any deal that he makes uh, moving forward with how our team has elevated their worth after his playoff run. I trust Leon Rose did the right package, but damn, man, I wouldn't want to give up too much for a guy who's not that dependable in the playoffs and not that dependable on staying healthy. I'll, I'll say this, though. I understand the point that Lee's making, but – how many guys on Knicks right now dropping 39 in a playoff game, though? Even though even though it was just one game. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. many besides Jalen Brunson. And, um, and from a health standpoint, he played 77 games this season. That's mm-hmm. a positive. That's a positive. I agree. Those, those are both solid points. There's no one on the roster right now that can drop 25 in a playoff game. <laughs> I don't know if I trust RJ and Randall to do that on a consistent basis. Brunson's the only one we got. So, you know, I I hate the trade package Leon had before. I quickly, RJ and OB and Pitts and swaps, that's too much. But I think this time around it would be a different package, um, n- not as filled with assets and picks. Uh, and I would trust Leon in negotiating good faith. Yeah. And, like, I don't, it's, you know what's funny? How many playoff games has Zach Green played? Would I have to definitely look that up? Yeah, because when I look at playoff performances, right, like how many times have you been there? What age have you been there? And who was, and who was on your team when you, been, when you were there? Like those are the things you got to look at too. Not just, okay, he played bad in a playoff series. Like for Randall, right? For, Randall, for an example. Randall played horrible in his first COVID year playoff series. Um, this season he played horrible again. I feel like this season has a little bit more, slightly more credence, even though he was his ankle, he did have an ankle injury, so it's still a little bit cloudy. But just the fact that you have like an actual point guard, like a point guard to take some pressure off you and give you some open looks, um, makes you guard that a little bit, makes you grade that a little bit more harshly. You know what I mean? With the Bulls. They haven't really had like a real point guard like Ryan G said in those playoffs. So like you when you have an actual number one guy who can do more, I think you can start to judge that a little bit better. He's made the he's been in the playoffs one time um two years ago and they got swept. Uh in four games he averaged 19 points a game. That was a year where Demar Derozan was an MVP candidate. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the year that um that's when um that's when the, that's when the, that's the year the Bulls got injured and they were like hobbled into the play, right? Because I think that was that's when um that's when Ball got injured and they were and they were kind of, they, they pretty much were depleted at that point, if I remember correctly, when they got swept. Oh, it was five games. It was five games they lost to the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. So, man, and it was fresh, fresh over surgery. surgery. Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of factors. It wasn't just he got, it wasn't just he got smacked. It was to the box off of surgery and depleted team. So it's like, get the whole picture. You got to get the whole picture. Well, I, but he also hasn't been able to drag a team to the playoffs, even as an eighth seed. 
uh, as the best player on the team too, which I think that should be taken into consideration as well, which is my gripe at Carl Anthony Towns. Wasn't until Anthony Edwards came into the picture and Edwards was the number one option that he was able to drag Minnesota to the playoffs. But and with the last time Carl Anthony Towns went with Minnesota, Jimmy Butler was the best player. So the, the, the Levine and Towns have that same identity crisis where some people in the fan base think that they're a one option when in reality they're probably a, a second option or even a third option to be on the talent level of a team. And they've had very little experience putting a team on the back and going to the playoffs and being successful. No, I agree with you there. But I don't think we're asking to be a first option here. I, I think yeah. agreed. We're not asking yeah. to be a first option. That's that would be clear. He'd be number two. He'll be. He'll be. He'll be yeah. a clear number two, and he's a clear number two with Chicago. But I, I feel like it's a. It's kind of like the South situation. Like you yeah. have Jalen Brown, you have Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is one. Brown is two. Right. But who was their point guard? Marcus Smart. Right. Marcus Smart is a point guard, but is Marcus Smart a point? Is Marcus Smart a point guard? No. Is, is Marcus Smart breaking down the defense and setting him up? And I, I think that's the same thing you can say about you know about a Demar Derozan. Like I'm not sure what type of looks you're gonna get from Demar Derozan. Yeah, and I'll say this: I do think with Zach Levine playing with Jalen Brunson, I do think Jalen Brunson will give him open looks. You know, which is something that he does not get with the Bulls because then with the Bulls he has to constantly create his own shot. And I think with the Knicks, he would have to do that a bit less with Jalen Brunson on the same team as him. Exactly. 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 Would you guys love two picks? RJ, Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, Emmanuel Quickly. Two picks for who? Levine. Two picks, a swap. Obi, RJ, Fournier, IQ. That's a huge ass package. That's a lot. It's not as much as it's not as much as what Leon offered at the trade deadline. That was even more. It was more pits and it was Grimes as well. I would do it and take. I would do it and keep IQ. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, IQ would have to stay on. I would. Yeah, IQ would have to stay. I agree. I agree. I would too if IQ stayed. IQ and RJ. I might even give another swap. Yeah. Yeah. I might think that's something to think about. Yeah. I have an echo. Jeez, man. I need to. Yo, my whole, all my settings reset once I do a show, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yo, we haven't been off for so long. It's like your computer forgot all this, all the settings, man. Yeah, my computer was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. Change everything. <laughs> Man, man, man. Oh, man. <sighs> but, yeah, I think somebody asked me, it's Jeremy Grant. That's my – here's my – you know what? I want to continue the conversation by saying this. When it comes to what to do next, I'm not pressed to make a move. Like, there's very, like, there's very little moves I would make, to be honest with you. But I think we're I I know that we have to improve. And I know I know we're in the fan base who wants to make moves now and wants to improve now. And they see a move as like, you know, progress. We made a move, that's progress. Sometimes your best move is to not make a move sometimes. You know what I mean? Just like just like the Donovan Mitchell thing. 
Like sometimes if it's like if it's costing too much, if it's more of a lateral move, if it's like all right, we're we're giving away a dollar for four quarters, then we we're we're in such a position where you can bring back the majority of these players, still be in the playoffs, still be around fifty games, and then be in a position where you know Randall has one year less, uh, RJ has one year less, um, and we can evaluate things next year and do something. Well, we might not have you might not have that luxury with IQ though. Um, and the only thing is the new CBA, we might have to fight with the new CBA a little bit. Um, that's the only, that's might be the only concern with that, that direction. But in reality, when it comes to like team as constructed, we can still be better naturally because we have a bunch of young guys who are going to be hungry and get better over the summer. And we'll be able to improve that way as well. Um, so, so, uh, I'm not super pressed on making a move. Um, as long as it's the right move. Uh, I agree with JLS. Uh, uh, sorry, Ryan. I'll be super right. quick. Uh, I'm not pressed to make a move for a bid player or a name. I am pressed to make the room to improve spacing in the front court. So something's got to give. I'm not sure what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if it's moving something around uh, or Grimes. It's better in the off season. But I just I don't think it's. I don't think we can get further in the playoffs next year if Randall and Mitch spacing wise is our front court next season. And I'm not advocating for one over the other to be moved. My preference is Randall, but I don't think, I think Leon's more likely actually to trade Mitch than he is uh, Randall. I'm not sure how you do it, but we got to add some space in that starting lineup because damn, man, we saw it in Miami. You play a zone on us, it's Brit City. Yeah, Miami. Man, you got to put some respect on Miami zone, though. Yeah, <laughs> no <man>. doubt. <laughs> That's what is crazy. I, no I, I have, like, you, you, at this point, I know we were all pissed about we lost to Miami. Miami took out the Bucks. Miami took out the Celtics. And Miami is going zone on the freaking Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. The Denver Nuggets, <laughs> by all means, should not be flustered by the zone at all. They have like the best, a lot of the best three point shooters on your team at multiple positions, and they're being flustered by Miami zone. So I think at this point, you just got to give Miami their props, man. Like, Miami, Spo, those guys know how to game plan and take any team out of their comfort zone. To, to, to play zone versus the Nuggets, which is one of the top three-point shooting teams and fluster them. Yep. Like, yeah means something. Now, we definitely need more three-point shooting. That's That's been our Achilles heel all season. Bottom of the league in three-point shooting. Um, playoffs three-point shooting. But <laughs> it's like, so we definitely need to improve on that. But like, man, that, that's, Miami's zone is crazy. That's that's a different animal. I hope that, I hope Leon Rose goes after Struess in the offseason. Both Struess and Gabe Vincent are free agents and Miami's already at the cap. Uh, they're actually already over the cap, and it, they don't have any contracts coming off the books. So I'm not really sure what they're going to do to maneuver or how they're going to try to retain both or one. But, man, Struis would be a perfect fit with, with the Knits if we were to trade Obi as a backup four or even a backup three. I know we don't have to commit to Josh Hart and extend Emmanuel quickly, but there's got to be a way we can do some maneuvering with Brock Hour at the helm. He'll be able to sign someone like Struis who plays defense, team ball, can play make a little, and hit threes in all different ways on the perimeter. 
I don't even know what's going to happen quickly, man, because you already know what it is quickly. Quickly said multiple occasions, multiple interviews that he wants to start. You know, so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. He can end up going to the Wizards. He can end up going to the Houston. Um, so he might have to go after one of those guys just by necessity because he might <laughs> because IQ might be gone. Uh, and that's one of my favorite players. Hurts me to say it, but um, hopefully we, we're able to keep him. If we are able to keep him and resign him because he wants the money, I, I would say this would be his last contract with us. If we are able to keep him, I, I wouldn't foresee us keeping him beyond the contract we're about to offer him now. If that happens, um, but yeah, well, IQ wants to start, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to just throw in this thing right quick because I see a lot of people in the chat complaining about guys being expensive, and it's like, yo, if you want quality on your team, you have to pay for quality, if you want to play who's a star. You're going to that that player's going to be on a heavy contract. Even if you even if you trade for a young player who's going to be a budding star, eventually you're going to have to pay that man. You're going to have to pay that man good money for him to stay. So it's like, so to think that the Knicks can just trade us trade for a star cheaply is unrealistic. You know what I mean? So it's like if you don't want to trade for a star and take on that star's contract, whatever the case may be, then be content with the Knicks making small tweaks here and there to the roster and running it back. Either yeah. it's either that or just don't complain. Because if you <laughs> want to start, you're gonna to have to pay for quality. It is what it is. So all, yeah. all these people in the chat talking about, oh my gosh, this guy is earning too much money and blah blah blah. Well, guess what? That player's a damn star. There's a reason why he's earning that much money. So if you want that star on your team, you gotta pay for him. Come yeah. on now. Gotta pay to play, man. Gotta play the glit. Gotta pay to play. We're talking about Jeremy Grant. Some of the people asking about Jeremy Grant. I would definitely take Jeremy Grant. I think I think he'd be a perfect fit for the team, actually. No doubt. Always loved him. All three of us have. We've been talking about him for the whole damn season as yeah. an option. I'll say this. The Knits have never been more attractive as a free agent destination in the last 20 years than they are right now because of what Jalen Brunson showed in the playoffs. He's a dog. That's the type of player that other players of his caliber want to play alongside. They know it under wide open shots. Because of the attention that he draws and demands when he goes to the hoop, that three-point line is going to be wide open. I mean, how open was Grimes and Hart and RJ when they were either too scared to shoot it or they shot up a nasty brick or air ball in the playoffs? Brunson is a dog. He's one of the top 15 players in the NBA. Maybe the probably the best guard, point guard in the Eastern Conference yes. this summer and beyond. We should have no trouble luring free agents when they're thinking about the Knits as a destination, whether it's a free agent or trade. This going to be a very appealing place to play, not because of James Dolan and his antics or the shenanigans of Tom Thibodeau, but because of Jalen Brunson and the attention that he brings and how he elevates everybody else around him. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I, man, I talk, man, I was talking about Smack before, and I was like, yo, man, Jalen Brunson is better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I remember, remember, Jay Ellis, don't say that. Don't say that. You're going to jinx it. <laughs> it's like, yo, Jalen Brunson is better than Donald Mitchell, dog. He is. The only, the, the, the only thing you jinxed was a sweep. That's the only thing you jinxed. I did not jinx <laughs> <laughs> it. Like, people put. I remember having a debate 
earlier this year about athleticism versus skill, man. Athleticism is a gift that scouts love, that fans love, but that's not the end all be all for development. And that's always been my that's always been my argument for RJ Barrett. People when people put a when people put a cap on RJ Barrett and go, RJ Barrett can't be this, can't be that, can't be a top bottom player, and then turn around and go, Jalen Brunson is great. He's like a top ten. I'm like, wait, but Jalen Brunson is shorter than Barrett. Uh, not as strong as Barrett, pretty strong though. Uh, but just footwork, heart, you to death. And now we're watching Jokic in the finals. Can't jump over a phone book, <laughs> but can shoot and can pass and has all the skill in the world. So I like there is a path to being an elite player without being some crazy athletic guy who can jump out the gym. And Jalen Brunson is a testament to that. And like Lee said, man, he is a guy who who can who will attract players to New York. And I feel I feel good about I feel good about the season coming up, man. I feel good about the future of the Knicks because we have an actual pillar here and somebody to build around, man. Brunson, Brunson's IQ, footwork, leadership is something to behold and i hope that can rub off on the rest of the team and especially julius randall man because julius randall's taking a step this year mentally during the season but he still need he still has another step to go and i hope johnny bryant talks to him in this offseason again about another step because when you're playing like basur like my guy ryan g likes to say and you don't show up for press conferences because you're being benched by the coach, that's a problem. You know what I mean? Like you, I'll give Randall credit, but you still got another step to go. And I think what, what Brunson also does is he lends credibility and cosign to Tibbs and Leon Rose as well, in terms of the optics around the league on how players view the Knicks and view the, their, them as a franchise and their level of competency Jalen Brunson's godfather is Leon Rose, and he had obviously showed a lot of love and empathy with Tom Thibodeau, trusting him as his head coach, backing him at every press conference, and wanting to come there What Tom Thibodeau was the head coach. Unlike what the athletic poll says where no one wants to come play for Tibbs, Jalen Brunson did want to come play for Tibbs, and he what happened to his game? Thrived, yeah. developed, turned to an MVP candidate, in my opinion. I mean, damn near got snubbed as an all-star, and more importantly, as an all-NBA player. So I think that that helps as well to soften the perception of, you know, from Dolan to Rose to Tibbs to other players and agents and coaches around the league to make New York a destination. There's something that's cool again, that where players want to go again and not feel like they have to come there and save the franchise. Brunson's already there. We already got a, a pillar and cornerstone, as JL has said. And if Randall can get his head right, damn near, we got two. So, you know, come play with us. We're close. Yeah, come play with us. Come play with us. My my next step for Brunson would be like he's been that leader. He's been that guy that puts everybody at ease and he's been a leader in the locker room. People love to follow him. But I think the next step for me is um I think the playmaking will get better as he goes along. I think the next step to me is you know that that at the end of the at the end of the game versus Miami, when they doubled Brunson and Josh Hart 
was wide open and he didn't pass in the ball, I understood mm-hmm. why he didn't pass in the ball. Because he passed the ball a few times before that. And Josh didn't shoot it. And as a guard, when you're working hard, you're getting double teamed, and you work hard to get somebody advantage and the person doesn't shoot it, you get pissed off. But I think the Knicks, yep. the, I think he's going to have some Michael Jordan situation. Michael Jordan will, Michael Jordan will be in a timeout going, hey, S- S- Steve Kerr, you're getting the ball the next play. <laughs> so when I pass you the ball, you better shoot it. Like, I think that's the next step. Instead of just not passing him, just going to him like the ball's coming to you. Be prepared. Yeah. Um, secondly, the coaches, I feel like, are trying to wrangle a monster, which is Julius Randle's ego sometime. I think Brunson has gained the respect of the players on the team. I think he might have to be a little bit more vocal on the court and not just like the, the, the nice guy that people like to follow. I think he might have to, because Randall is the beast that has to be kind of corralled. I feel like when Randall gets out of pocket or is not, I think he has to be the one to be like, Hey man, you need to get back on defense. Yeah. I, <laughs> So I think I think his next step for is is this leadership stuff, um, preparing people to shoot the ball when he passes it, and maybe even you know taking longer threes. I don't, that could, that could be that's for the league guards too. They they find a way to extend their range beyond the three point line to give other teams even a harder time trying to trap them. So maybe that could be something else to work on to in the summer. But that's something I would say Brunson would. Will need to work on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. I, I know we didn't get we didn't even get a deep dive on Grant, but I don't know if you have you guys have anything else to mention. I got a bro pick. Oh, well, go ahead. What's up? Yeah, okay. Oh man, bro pick to my main man Kyle Lowry. The double cheeked up on a Monday night. Oh my man. boy. Why why you keep going for Kyle? Kyle's in the finals, man. Kyle Lowry, man. He just oh, he was man. just like Black China. He had one season where he popped up as a guest appearance on Keeping Up with Kardashians, slash the Knicks, torched us, and then went right back to, to, to being off the show, man. Dude is like been absolute trash. He'll hit a three from now and then, but his defense is still a turnstile. I mean, they're way better when Dave Vincent's running the point. I think the actual the, the five man unit is always better when Kyle Lowry's on the bench because Jamal Murray just cuts him on switches trying to find him on the offensive side. But I hate that the one time he had a guest appearance was against us where he absolutely blitzed us, made me look at a full for calling him Black China. But guess what? Black China's bat, baby. This finals, baby. Black China started rolling in the finals. Love to see it. Go, Reds. Oh, oh, man. man. <laughs> This I is why experience matters, man. Because he bu- he Kyle bullied our bench. He sure did. He bullied our bench. That, that, that ass was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yo! I oh, major pause, bro. I do have a bro- I do have a bro pick too, though. Go ahead, my main man, Josh Hart. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if y'all pay. I don't know if y'all pay attention to the Twitter. Don't oh, kink shame, bro. But my guy, 
just put it out there. And he was like, you know what? Have any of y'all ever tasted breast milk? I'm asking for a friend. He knows damn well he's asking about himself. <laughs> and, and then my man went on, I think it was an interview with Taylor Rooks, and explained the whole thing. And my man tasted the breast milk. And he was like, you know, it tastes like vanilla almond milk. And I was like, say word. Say word. Say less. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. <sighs> now you got me thinking about I mean, like, I, I know like, people yo. who taste the rest of it. I, I know people who have done it. And they said it wasn't bad. Maybe I'll see myself. No shame, someone's king. I mean, yo, <laughs> I mean, yo when, it, when, it, when it comes that time for me and I have my child, you know what? I'm going to take a taste of the breast milk to see for myself. Listen, man. I'm, I'm going to take a swig. I'm going to take a swig. Straight from the bottle or straight? Never mind. All right. <laughs> straight, straight from the source. <laughs> Because I'll tell you what, man. I don't want the, I don't want the kid, but I do want the breast milk. <laughs> Can I have the breast milk without the kid? Oh, shoot. I'm saying me and the kid be fighting. That's all I'm gonna say. All right. <laughs> Calling this. I was here first, bro. Whoa. All right. Oh mm. man. Like get that first Cambodian breast milk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Shout out to Jim Brunson for unfollowing him. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, man. I I I I've talked about enough. That that's the no show. Doubt. That's the show. I don't know if anybody's gonna make that. Just wrap it up. All right. Huh? All right, good show. Good show, you guys. Um, it's funny. Like I'm talking to this guy. We usually do a deep dive show when we go up to the stats and. Um, we'll do that though. I know we kind of talk casually today, but look out for that. So we're gonna put out some like deep dive type of stuff that we guys have been following KOT for a long time. That's kind of what we we've been known for in all season. So we'll definitely get back to some deep dive stuff about the stats this season and and free agency and stuff like that. So definitely stay tuned for that. All right, all right, cool. But that is our show. Um, thank you guys for watching. Um. Yeah, Lee, let me find you. Find me on Twitter. I've been a little quiet as of late, dealing with some personal stuff, but also just because Nick's Twitter has been, bruh, I was telling Ryan G, man, that the worst part about it, it never shuts up. There's never like a timeout period, never a pause. It's just 24-7, someone's bitching about Tibbs, Randall, or RJ. It's like insufferable, man. It's like, don't y'all have any life outside of Twitter? Like, <laughs> log off. You know, I, I heard the phrase, touch some grass. To me, I'd rather just touch some ass, man. Just go out there and just like, find you a baddie and have some summer fun, man. It's too nice outside. There's too many <laughs> thoughts out there to be worrying about what Julius Randle is doing in the lab, man. I stop worrying about RJ's jump shot and start worrying about, you know, shooting your shot, bro. Just like go out there and live your life, man. It's funny because, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't understand, I understand how you criticize Julius Randle's effort on, on, like, during the games. But that, I don't think anybody could not like, this off-season workouts be crazy, so I don't know. Like, yeah, for real. Like, his off-season workouts are ridiculous. Like, he come that's gonna be coming back with like twelve packs, and yep, he be talking about how he had chef 
packets and all he drank was like oatmeal and freaking cut out juice and I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. And, and, <laughs> maybe some breast milk. And maybe some breast milk. I mean, he had a couple babies himself, you know what I mean? The secret sauce, That's baby. That's the secret sauce. Hey, the secret exactly. abs. Breast milk. All right, we all know. Let's go. Exactly. Just pop it in the smoothie with some frozen fruit. You good. Exactly. Juice it up. Ryan, you take the fun out of it, bro. <laughs> the fun part is not being a smoothie. The fun part is getting it straight from the source. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is chilling. Sir G is chilling. That's S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. You can also find me at Sir G's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. And I've been quiet as well. Same reason Lee said, like, I can't stand Nick's Twitter right now. Like, if, when I do log in, it's like the first few tweets I see. It's just BS, and I'm just like, you know what? I can't take this, and I just log right back out. So, yeah, I mean, I just be oh. going off anyway. Well, I got one more. I got, I got one more breath pick. I just got reminded by the chat. I appreciate you, pitch for Timmy. Uh, listen, man, he seemed like a nice guy. Eddie Presti, bruh, like your profile picture, the way you dress, everything's like A plus adorable, man. Like, you are an adorable human being, and I hope someone sends this to you, and I hope you watch this. I love your your Morning Brew crew. There's some, like, I've been on the show. Love those guys, man. The Porto brothers, like, those are my guys. Bruh, your trades? <laughs> those those are the worst <laughs> trade scenarios of any NBA team's Twitter fandom. Like, they're so atrocious. They're for players that would never come to the Knicks, that are not available, that aren't going to be available for packages that are so absurd to think a team would take back a handful of role players and two picks for, like, superstar talent. And your comments and quote tweets are all people roasting you and asking you to stop and retire and, like, hang it up. Bro, please, you're a nice guy. you got to find something else to do with your time besides these ass-crack <laughs> trade requests, bro. Stop. The bro. answer to all of them is no. Go to bed, my man. Cool. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Uh yeah. yeah. Shout out to him. Shout out to him. <laughs> He's sweet though. He's a nice guy. Sweet dude. Yeah. yeah. Not there's plenty of douchebags on this Twitter. He is not one of them. Oh, that's a Yo, the only Lee can like say he's a nice guy, call a guy sweet, and then roast the hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Oh, yeah. I'm jealous, bro. Huh? I said you are hilarious, man. <laughs> you, get, you, you really understand me. You get the heart of me, bro. <laughs> Crazy! It's like, oh man, like, here's the setup. Oh man, <laughs> sweet bum. <laughs> no, no, Fritz. He is not a bum. He is not the sweetest bum. No, Eddie Presti's not a bum. His trade scenarios are bums. Not him. <laughs> he is not a bum. He's yeah. a nice guy. Oh man. Oh shout out. I was on space. I don't be going on spaces. I've been on like five spaces, I think. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think I went to Let's Talk Next Spaces. So shout out to Charlotte. Um, oh yeah, Charlotte's great. Shout out to Papa Left. Shout me out. I didn't even know how to respond on the computer thing to type it back. <laughs> <laughs> like yo, thanks, guy. 
But I heard oh, you. Papa left. <laughs> Papa left, man. But I heard you, even though we disagree on like everything you ever said on this Twitter. <laughs> He's still cool with me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like that's another example. I love Papa left. His his tates are ass, but he, he's a good dude, man. I'm a, I'm a fan of him as a human. How can you not? He's out there teaching the youth, man. That shit matters. Yeah. Way more than any next state. He's he's a good person. I just I hate right. his opinions on the net. We probably gonna play the ball sometimes. Um, but yeah, no. shout out to you guys, man. All right, man. You, you know, you know. Before we go though, like I'm impressed at the both of y'all because y'all actually retain the names of these people on Twitter with these ass takes. Where for me, I'm like, I can't even retain <laughs> their name because I just go right by them because I'm like, yo, this take is ass. I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna read this shit. Okay, this guy's ass. This take is ass too. I'm not gonna read this either. <laughs> And I'm just going down like, okay, this take his ass too. I'm not gonna read it. And I don't and I, and, and I don't care what I don't care what it kind of comes from. I'm just like, you know what? All these takes are just pure ass. So I'm not gonna even bother. I'm not gonna either bother replying. I'm not even gonna bother reading through the first couple of sentences. I'm done. So the fact that y'all actually retain the names of these people, I am very impressed. Extremely impressed because I don't give a damn about these people. Oh, oh man, I love it. Ryan's calling half of its Twitter ass and Fritz is trying to sell the Loch Ness monster tea during the rant. Oh my god, Fritz, bro, that was the worst time to try to put the tea out. Ryan's going ham, bro. Oh, oh I love it. Oh my gosh, damn, Ryan, I love a rant, bro. Oh man, uh, shout out to Fritz for trying to work, man. Damn, hardest working mod in the game. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bruce. Yeah, shout out. But yeah, I, I, I know he don't agree. He said it on his own show. It's like we don't agree on anything. He's like, yeah, I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, oh, but he's, he's cool. cool. But, yeah, he is cool. <laughs> I love Ari. JLS is right, man. Ari's my favorite. He's my favorite person on its Twitter. Love Ari from Manhattan. <laughs> That's my guy, man. Yeah, shout out to Ari too. I love everything he says. Yeah, I don't, I don't even agree on half the stuff you say, but <laughs> a few <laughs> things I do agree with. A few things I do agree with. But um, oh. but yeah, but we both, we both like IQ. I know that. Um, that's our show. Um, thank you guys for watching. Uh, and you guys already know, man. As always, shout out the worldwide west. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a west. It's a mess out here. These next YouTube, Twitter streets. That's our show. We out this mug. Peace. Dreams. Uh, 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 u